Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Live from the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center on this big red Monday, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, how's it going over there? Well, it's tough, as you well know. Of course, good morning, though. Not the best weekend for sports in the Valley with uh, with Cam Johnson getting hurt and the Suns losing on a shot that the league had to apologize to them for and other things. ASU giving up 50 and uh, of course the biggest one is the Cardinals today, Wolf, because we talked at length on Friday about the potential directions yesterday's game was going to take this team before we knew it was going to happen, obviously. Friday, okay, what's going to happen? Well, if they win, they're right back in this. If they lose, they are in a world of hurt at 3-6 and six. They're in that world of They're hurt. They're in that world of hurt right now. There's no other way you can parse it right now. They they have their backs up against the wall. Um, we were talking about this a week, but I said this three-game NFC West window was there for the taking, and it would determine exactly what probably is going to transpire for the rest of the season. The likelihood of them going out and losing two of these three NFC West games pretty much would declare them done for the season, I would imagine. At that point in time, they still have two of those three games left. Um, The most winnable game to me was the Seattle game yesterday, of course, at home at State Farm Stadium. The Red Sea was there in force and tried to rally the team in the second half as well. That was one of the most disappointing things about it. They got loud. They got fired up and man um, the Cardinals just could not rally themselves defensively at that point in time where the Seattle Seahawks in the fourth quarter took the ball. They went 13 plays down the field 81 yards, 6 minutes and 46 seconds off the clock. That was the dagger to me right there. And now they're faced with two must game situations. Must. Yeah. Yeah. And and yesterday and look, maybe the Rams, I mean if you look at the standings, the Rams aren't nearly as good as Seattle. But the Rams have had the Cardinals number for years. And you know, credit to Seattle. They are in first place in this division. That's the one thing, no matter how optimistic you want to be about the Cardinals, if you still believe, hey, they can go on a run here and make the playoffs, maybe. I, I, at this point, I need to see something to I indicate I don't think it. there's anybody that believes that. I, I think you've got to see it to believe yeah. it at this point in time. But even if you were that optimistic, they're not catching the Seahawks now because you're basically four games behind Seattle, so it would have to be a different way. That I made this comment to you before the uh, the show, Wolf. That's the second time in, in the span of, what, three weeks, basically, 21 days, where they played the Seahawks, and I felt like the Seahawks just kind of sat back and let the Cardinals beat themselves, and then Seattle made plays when they had to. It's You know, the first time, it was 19-9, to and we were talking about how great the defense played in that game, because they did, and they basically set up the touchdown in that game, too, uh, the special teams touchdown against uh, Seattle, but... Yesterday, it was, okay, the Cardinals come out and score. Well, all of a sudden, Seattle opened it up a little bit because it felt like they had to. It, it felt like what you always say you need to be able to do, adjust to how you, whatever you have to be able to do to beat your opponent. Seattle seemingly 
has taken the approach these two games of let's let the Cardinals take their eight pre-snap penalties or tie themselves in knots on offense, and then when we have to make plays or have a sustained drive or two, we'll do it. Yeah, and that was the thing that was so disappointing as well, um, the fact that they got to that point where suddenly the Arizona Cardinals came out in that first quarter and they played their best first quarter of the entire season. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Went out on the very first possession, went down the field and scored a touchdown. That was the first time they had done that in 14 games. Actually taken the ball and gone down the field and scored a touchdown in that first possession. So it looked like they were ready to go. Even the defense, they gave up three points on the first possession, but Seattle's really, really good for whatever reason. Starting games and starting halves. They're very, very good and you could just see it. The intensity level, the urgency level for the Seattle Seahawks was very, very high at the beginning of those uh, halves. And they do that very well. Something the, the Cardinals look like they were ready to do in that first half, starting the game the way that they did. I was really encouraged by that, but the offensive line, um, Will Hernandez went down, and when Will Hernandez went down, um, that was a flare, so to speak, it was into the air. similar to the game where Justin Pugh went down, where it looked like, okay, maybe they've got something going a little bit offensively, and then it does seem to be a prerequisite of every Cardinals game. They have to lose one starting offensive lineman. That's like their initiation into the game, and when that happened, you're 100% right. The offense, I don't think that's the only reason, but you're back to playing with 40% of your starting offensive line at that point. You know DJ Humphreys was banged up out there, so really the only guy that you know you have is Kelvin Beecham. Here's Kyler Murray uh, after the game on the success of that first drive, but then just not much on offense after that. Yeah, um, I wish I could tell you. First drive was, you know, easy, uh, on time, on schedule. Um, I obviously, you know, had to make a couple plays, uh, you know, with their D-line being pretty good, um, escaping to use my legs. But, you know, ended up in the end zone um, in that second drive. Third and one, you know, and, and kind of the story of the day, I feel like, was just, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't give you the answer, or what, why, or what. Um, we just, you know, kept kept shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah, they did. That's. You know, I, I know it's just a it's a, a phrase right there that he's using. I don't expect Kyler Murray to stand in front of the media and be like, "Okay, this needs to be fixed," and this, and we, and here's all the how we're going to do it. But he just said it right there, Wolf, which is maybe the most concerning to me. He doesn't have the answers. It doesn't feel like the Cardinals have the answers at this point to fix this. Yeah. Um... Right now, so much of their problem, too, is still on the offensive line. I'm sorry. You know, I've said this before, but your offense will only be as good as your skill position allows you to be. Your offense will only be that good if your skill can go out and shine, and your skill positions will only be as good as your offensive line allows them to be. And right now, um, the offensive line, they're having a difficult time trying to run the ball, especially in between the tackles. Um, they're having a difficult time protecting Kyler Murray. It just seems like he's got one read for the most part. And if that read isn't there, suddenly the pocket is breaking down and he's got to, he's got to run and move around. So the offensive line, uh, especially when Will Hernandez went down, Will Hernandez was having a very, very good season, playing very well. Now you've lost your three interior starters. Justin Pugh, of course, Will Hernandez, Rodney Hudson. You're, three, you're on your third 
different center as well. And now that's and that was the one area. Yesterday. And that is the one area, again, that Kyler Murray needs that pocket to be sound and solid. And it wasn't. Yeah. Um, that that's all part of the equation. You know, we're just talking to Bickley and Murata for for Big Red Crosstalk there at the end of their show. It's it's not one thing at this point. And you can't control the injuries, but there are things they can control, and that's where you're it, they've just become a very frustrating team to watch. Eight pre-snap penalties happen. Yeah. And I and I know you're you you're playing with with more than half your starting offensive line missing. You're probably going to get more penalties sure. than usual. But eight pre-snap penalties, you're never going to win a game doing that ever. Here's the one thing. I mean, honestly, at some point in time, too, I think you have to say to yourself, okay, um, would you rather have Kyler Murray under duress making a play, moving around the pocket, making a play with his legs, um, and throwing the ball, maybe? Or would you rather hand the ball off and try to run the ball, right, a little bit more? It's, It's not an easy answer. It isn't. Because Kyler makes a lot of plays with his legs, moving yeah. around the pocket, moving out of the pocket as well. Um, you know, would you just want to hand the ball off to James Conner and gain two yards or get stuffed for one yard or even, you know, it, it just, it's a tough situation to be in when your offensive line is a question mark and you saw exactly what it does to an offense when your question line, your, your offensive line is a question mark. Yeah. It feels like, and we'll get more into this, but it feels like the other team consistently now is dictating what the Cardinals do throughout a game. Yeah. And that's it. <laughs> I mean, that they look like, this is the thing with the Cardinals, this is what really hit me yesterday, Wolf. They look like they're losing. You could turn the game on and not see the score and just turn it on and be like, well, that team's losing after two plays because they just look like they're losing throughout the games now, unless you watch the first drive on offense yesterday. All right, when we come back, we'll get deeper into what exactly happened in the Cardinals' 10-point loss to the Seahawks with Big Red Reacts. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bye, bro. Bye. Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. We're out here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It is Big Red Monday. We will talk to Cliff Kingsbury at 145 today, as we always do during the season. Wolf, 31-21, so their second 10-point loss to the Seahawks in what's basically a little over three weeks. And now Seattle is not running away with the division, but Seattle is 6-3. and three. The Cardinals dropped to three and six, and uh, equally as important, the Cardinals are zero and three in the division. They're zero and two against Seattle. You know, the first time they met, both these teams were two and three. The first time they played, yeah. And as we said last week, unfortunately, Seattle has used it as a launching pad. And I was hoping the Cardinals would turn it around and use yesterday as a launching pad and kind of return the favor. But that didn't happen. Now they started the game well on offense. Let's uh, let's get you caught up on everything that happened yesterday with Big. Red Reacts. Wolf and Luke. Big Red Reacts. Reaction to yesterday's Cardinals game. Brought to you by Wico Park Casino Resort, where world-class action meets Ford Diamond Splendor. 
49-yard field goal try for Jason Myers to try to get something out of this first drive. He's missed just one field goal all season. Snap, spot, kick on the way. It is hugging the left upright, but it's good. And so the Seahawks strike first. It's going to be a pass play. Murray setting up. Now he's in trouble, backing up. Throws complete near side to Hopkins at the 15. Turns right, 10-5, into the end zone for the touchdown. Great patience by Kyler Murray with pressure in his face. He waited, found DeAndre Hopkins, who did the rest, and the Cardinals get a first-quarter touchdown for the first time in a long time. Third one, high snap, goes over his head, picked up by Connor back at the 10-yard line. And Connor is tackled at the 14. It's a loss of about 15, and the Cardinals will have to punt. Second high snap for Billy Price. If Kyler was 6'10", not 5'10", he still would have been able to catch that snap. Shotgun snap to Smith, drops straight back, fires left side in the end zone, and is caught in the back of the end zone, and it's a touchdown. Boy, great job by DK Metcalf to get both feet down. Antonio Hamilton in coverage. Murray in trouble, gets hit, gets up and runs. He's got room at the 40, 35, 30, and then he fumbles the ball. Fumbles it forward, and the Seahawks recovered at the 22. Snap to Smith. He's going to throw, and he tried to dump it off. It's picked off at the 30 on the near side by Collins. Running it back to the left of the 20, the 10. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Great awareness. Smith, straight drop back. Looking, firing, left side end zone, caught for a touchdown. It's Tyler Lockett. Takes the snap, drops back the throw. Steps up, and he's sacked. Dropped at the 33-yard line by Shelby Harris. Loss of 10. Murray really never had a chance. Fourth down. Walker to the right of Smith. Handoff. Walker right side. Falls forward into the end zone for a huge Seattle touchdown. What a drive. Over six minutes off the clock. And now with seven and a half to go, the Cardinals are down two possessions, 23 to 14 right now. Connor to the left of Kyler Murray who takes the shotgun snap. Short set, throws over the middle. Ertz is there, caught it. Touchdown. 3.32 to go. The Cardinals are not done yet. Other center is Smith. He takes the snap. It's play action. He boots to the right, throws right, caught by Fanta the 15. 20, 25, 30, stays in bounds at the 40, 45, 50 into Cardinal territory. They're trying to strip the ball, and they can't. They just got to tackle Fanta. They finally do at the 32. Oh, my goodness. Smith takes, pitches to Walker, running right, cuts it back to the left, and Walker keeps the feet driving, and... He is into the end zone for the touchdown to put the Cardinals away. Smith takes a knee. The game is over. And the Cardinals are in deep trouble. They're now 3-6. and six. Yeah, Dave Pash just said it right there, Wolf. And actually, Dave Pash is going to join us next segment. But uh, he summed it up right there. Game ends. The Cardinals are in deep trouble at this point. There's, there's no way to look at it. Other than, I mean, <laughs> they have the eighth. Wor- if the if I saw a mock draft today where they're picking eighth based on where they are in the standings right yeah. now, and, and you know, you're not 
you're not done at three and six, but they look like they're done at three and six. You you have to you can lose one more game the yeah. rest of the season, basically. <laughs> yeah, I know uh, they have plowed the hard road here uh, again. Though I will go back to the three game stand of what I was talking about. I believed it when I said it. I'll continue to believe it right now. The NFC West in the next three games, of course, that included Seattle yesterday, and then L.A. and then Mexico City. Against the 49ers, those three games I thought would determine the direction of this season, and they needed to win two of those three. Now, they're in a must-win situation as far as I'm concerned. I, I don't know any other way to say it, but I said it at the time, thought they had to win two of those three. If you won all three, that'd be great, but I think we all understand what a difficult road that would be. But they still have the opportunity of beating L.A. and beating the 49ers. And they lose in L.A. Now, all of a sudden, it looks like they're pretty much done. The crazy thing is, I was, I was just double-checking this because it felt like deja vu when Kyler Murray had that nine-yard run and then fumbled, right? Right around the Seattle 30. And because he doesn't protect the ball, but he doesn't, I don't really remember him fumbling a lot other than last time they played Seattle when he had about a nine yard run and fumbled right around the 30. Yeah. Like that, that was, and, and I think ultimately in that one, uh, Chris Banjo had the touchdown on the, on the Seattle's next drive went nowhere and, and the Cardinals ended up scoring anyway. But, um, that was, it's not something that happens a ton, and yet Seattle has done it to him twice this season. And twice. Both times, I'm not putting the loss yesterday on Kyler Murray, but again, I can't put a win on Kyler Murray. Uh, but both times, those were, those were critical components of the game. The other thing, and, and this, I, I did not understand this at all, and I know Seattle's a decent team on defense now. But man, DeAndre Hopkins helped them march right down the field on that first drive. Yeah. And they barely went to him after about five minutes into the second quarter. Yeah. You have to wonder why that is. We'll have to ask Cliff, of course, what happened on that. Um, For me, it was just the mistakes. So many of the mistakes, especially um, early on in that game and late as well. But the mistakes the Arizona Cardinals made in this game, I just think of the, the bad snap on that third one right there and how important that was at that point in time and you snapped it over his head that was a huge mistake right there the Kyler Murray fumble like you said that took points off the board possible points off the board at that point in time in the first half I will also say too um the Byron Murphy pick that was dropped right there in his hands you know and again he he made a great play to put himself in that position to pick the ball off both hands. It wasn't like it was off his fingertips. It was right through both of his hands and Byron would be the first one to tell you he's got to make that pick. And yet um, touchdowns on the next play right there. Uh, scored a touchdown on the next play. They also dropped another one in the red zone as well. Um, Tanner Vallejo had a and a, um, had a possible pick and then they scored on the next play as well. I mean those are opportunities you had to make plays that were right there, literally in your hands, and you could not do it. Yeah, I'm trying to find, I think it was Craig Greeley that actually tweeted it out. There was, I'll find it during the break, but basically, yeah, there we go. Both of Geno Smith's touchdowns, this was at, at the point where he had the two touchdowns, um, have come on third down after a near interception. 
So that was that was the Seattle's first Geno Smith's first two is. touchdowns. Both could have been picked off, or you could have just stopped them on third down. Also, and I know this isn't the story of the game, but the Tyler Lockett touchdown. How is that not pass interference? <laughs> he just took just Buda Baker off. and shoved him out the back. Of the, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter today. Yeah. Tyler Lockett just flat out admitted it. He's like, yeah, I got away with one. Yeah, <laughs> because right. it was so egregious. I don't know if it changes the game. It's the least of the Cardinals' concerns right to now. To me right now, honestly, uh, it was nothing they did. The mistakes Arizona Cardinals made as much and as many mistakes as they made, man, they killed themselves. Yeah, they did. The, uh, the eight pre-snap penalties. Oh, my God. I, 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 I'm going to keep coming back to that. That's West the definition that right there. It, it's, it's beating yourself before the other team can even do anything. The definition of. Uh, all right. So there's uh, that was Big Red Reacts. It was kind of a disappointing one today. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, what was Dave Pash's biggest takeaway from the Cardinals' loss to Seattle? We're going to ask the voice of the Cardinals. He'll join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Here we go! Yeah! Big Red Monday and Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports. Let's go! Presented by Sanderson Ford. The best play is at Sanderson Ford. Let's go, let's go, let's go! All right, we are back here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It is Wolf and Luke. Dave Pash joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Dave, thank you for the time this morning. I know you're busy, especially this time of year, but... Um, I guess let's just start here. You know, three and six, mathematically still in this, but uh, a lot has to start going right in a hurry. And what I can't get past is, and I think a lot of players and fans too, the self-inflicted mistakes. I, I don't know how you, how they're still there going into week ten now. Well, especially when you listen to Cliff talk about how well things are being executed in practice, it's definitely mind-boggling why it's not transitioning to to games. And, you know, you're in a situation now, especially with the Rams being 3-5, and five, where... You know, you're you're up against it. You're the season can go one of two ways. You can, you know, turn this thing around and keep hopes alive of you know being a playoff team, um, or it can go the other way, depending on what happens this weekend. I feel like this is you know obviously a huge game. And this is where your leadership too is really tested. And I'm not talking about coaches, I'm talking about the players and the captains and the leadership in that locker room. Um, I don't think it's trite when, you know, guys were saying yesterday, hey, we need to stick together. I mean, because again, this is the point of the year. You're three and six, um, where again, it can go in you know one of two directions, and you determine where that goes. So, because um, if they win this weekend, you know it's it's amazing what one win will do for an organization that is struggling. And so, if you can somehow get this one uh, on Sunday against the Rams, then you know I think our outlook changes. Yeah, David, when you think of the game yesterday, um, what are you most disappointed in? I'm not talking about the loss, of course, obviously, but I'm talking about based on how the Cardinals played. What are you most disappointed in? It's the offense, Wolf. It's the same thing as it was uh, the... the the, the previous you know month month and a half and, and last year with second half of last year it's just the offense uh, you finally get off to a good start uh, you score on your opening drive but then you don't do much until the the end of the game and I, I don't know why I wish I could put my finger on it as to why uh, I, I don't think 
Um, you know, James Conner was 100%. Uh, they had tr- trouble running the ball. Kyler Murray's your leading rusher for the game. He's your leading rusher for the season. Uh, if you can't run the ball in the NFL, it's it's hard to win. I know we say it's a passing league, but you know you got to have a run game. Uh, the Cardinals are struggling in that area, uh, going back to the second half of last year. And then, uh, you know, the mistakes, too. But I, I just think overall it's the offense. Talking to Dave Pash. Uh, Dave, one of the things that really stood out, DeAndre Hopkins was so big on that opening drive, and he was obviously so big the last two weeks. And then they kind of just didn't go to him much after early in the second quarter. He did have the late touchdown that was called back because of the false start on Robbie Anderson. But for the most part, I don't know if Seattle took DeAndre Hopkins out or if the Cardinals took him. I, I mean, at some point, you need to be able to dictate what happens in the game, too, don't you? It, f- it feels like other teams are telling the Cardinals what they're allowed to do. It's hard to say. I mean, the way Seattle plays, uh, you know, you, you look at the, the the thing to me, and I understand what you're saying about D Hop. Is I was just kind of looking at the numbers last night. The number of times that Kyler Murray has been under six yards per attempt uh, this year uh, compared to last year, uh, I think. He's been over 6.0 once this year, and last year I think it was 13 times uh, out of 14 games that he played in. So what, what what's happened there? You know, defenses clearly are taking some things away. Um, some of it is, I'm sure, by design, but a lot of it is, yeah, what the other team is doing. But when you can't run the ball and you're struggling to be consistent in the run game and you're relying on Kyler to be a big part of the run game to get it going, it does make it hard to throw the ball down the field, uh, whether it's to D-Hop or anybody else. Um, you know, it's just it's as frustrated as, as I can remember being uh, with an offense that I think should be better. Um, and, and, again, this is where, you know, I know people want to look at the coaches, but this is about the players ultimately. Um you know, coaches make a difference, but they don't make that big of a difference. You know, at some point here, it's the leadership, it's your quarterback. Um, it, it's, I know that with the guys banged up in the offensive line, that does make it challenging. But, you know, you've got to figure this out as a group, and it starts with your quarterback. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that right there, David. Um, talk to me about the defense and what you saw from the defense. They they have obviously been a bright spot at some point in time throughout the first nine games of the season, but tell me your thoughts on the defense right now. I, I think Vance Joseph has done as good a job as he as he possibly can with you know what's available. Um, you know, they have some guys that are banged up. Uh, they have some older guys on that, uh, you know, on that side of the ball. Um, you know, you look at their pass rushers compared to some other teams around the league, and you know they don't have elite guys at, at those spots. Um, but they do have some really good players on defense still, uh, and I think those players have played well at times. And I think the defense has kept the Cardinals in some games. Um, but it is hard to sustain that, I think, when you look at the, the, you know, the, the, the whole roster defensively to continue to ask the defense to keep you in games. Um, and you could probably say that about any team. I mean, you have to, you have to have an offense, uh, to win in the NFL. Defense can only get you so far. You can't survive every week relying on your defense to keep you in games. And that's why I keep going back to, uh, you know, that, the, the offensive side of the ball. 
And not that it's solely the quarterback's fault, but, you know, he's, you know, any quarterback is the face of your franchise. Um, you know, you watch Kansas City last night, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, your quarterback is the guy that, that takes you to the next step. He gets you there. And, you know, it's on Kyler, but it's on the guys around him, too. Um, this is a time where you can't be finger-pointing, though. Mm-hmm. This is a time where you can't be saying it's the coach or the, or the quarterback or the captain or the pass rusher or the D coordinator or the GM. This isn't that time. That time's for January and February. This is how do we figure this out? We have enough time left to get this thing turned around. How do we get it figured out for Sunday? Dave Pash, great stuff as always, man. Thank you for the time. All right, guys. Take care. That's Dave Pash joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. You know, it's funny, the the last thing he said there, Wolf, you can't have finger pointing at this point in the season. That's exactly what Steve Kime said to us when he was on with us last week. Remember the very last question we asked him what he thinks of the job Cliff has done coaching this year. And he's like, there's no finger pointing over here. Yeah, can I just say that um, I believe that 100% when you're talking about public finger pointing doing it in front of everyone else yeah I totally agree with that inside that locker room start pointing it's the only way out alright when we come back we'll switch gears over to basketball with the injury to Cam Johnson wow what a great weekend Uh, with the injury to Cam Johnson what could that mean for Jay Crowder we'll discuss that next it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports the local sports leader All right, over to basketball here for a real quick segment. The Suns, the good news for the Suns, Wolf, is that they finally avenged that uh, that loss to Portland. First, they took another loss to Portland, and then they avenged it on Saturday with a 20-point win over Portland. So they are 1-2 and two against Portland already this season, 7-2 and two overall, and they don't play the Blazers again until next year. I was going to say, and done and against done. the Blazers. The next game against the Portland Trail Blazers isn't even scheduled yet. Wow. It's either in the playoffs this season or next season. The bad news is they lose Cam Johnson, and it is a torn meniscus. He is having surgery, and we're talking months, most likely. Wow, yeah, a torn meniscus right there. Cartilage, of course, in between the knee. That is going to take some time to heal, and the worst thing about that is there's a little bit of a rehab that also was involved in that, and anytime you're talking about rehab, you're talking about confidence. You're talking about being able to mentally get on top of it, come back, go out onto the floor, and just be confident in the fact that, you know, your meniscus isn't going to fly out as soon as you go back out there. It's something that every professional athlete has got to deal with, but it's not like Cam Johnson is new to this. It's not like this is his his um, first time. He's, he's obviously very familiar with it. So to me... Um, you know, it's just one of these deals you're going to have to get on top of. It stinks for Camp Johnson. That much I know. Um, I was really liking, I think we all were, what we were seeing from Camp Johnson. It stinks for him personally, but professionally in the long run, he's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like a career-altering thing, but what's, what's difficult here is not just, okay, the Suns are now basically at this exact moment at four starters instead of five for the foreseeable future. The other issue is part of your plan 
to really get it done in the playoffs this year hinged on Cam Johnson evolving over the course of the season, and now that gets set back however many months. Like you said, there's rehab after the surgery. He was trending, and it was early, but he was trending in the right direction. If I'm the Suns, and I'm Cam Johnson, I wanted 82 games worth of development from where he was going into camp to throwing the ball up in the air for game one of the best of seven first round series. And now you're going to lose a big chunk of that where he's just, he's not going to be able to evolve his game. It's, it's a, uh, it's a blow. It's quite the blow to the Suns. Here's Al McCoy and Tim Kempton on Friday talking about the injury. Here is a jump shot by DeAndre Ayton, and he knocks down another outside hoop. Suns may have to take a foul. Cam Johnson's uh, got a hitch in his giddy-up. He may take it right there to get a substitute in the game. Yeah, he's kind of jumping off. We're going to time out here. I mean, the depth that was the concern going into the season is now going to be tested. So what do you do right now? Who's going to get Cam Johnson's minutes? That is the question. <laughs> as soon as you say that, I mean, Jay Crowder all, is still on the roster. <laughs> we all know exactly where the conversation is going right now. Yeah. Jay Crowder is still on your roster. It would make a lot of sense. And again, we don't know the full story of what happened behind the scenes. Jay just said two weeks ago, hey, it's not about me not starting. So if that's the case, then this isn't like some slam dunk. But under normal circumstances, if they still like Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder is looking for somewhere to play right now, he's not playing in his contract year and the Suns need somebody to step in. I want to hear Jay Crowder say that once again. I want to hear Jay Crowder say that in front of a camera. Well, he didn't. He said it through Chris That's what I'm saying. So you know what I love from Jay. If you're serious about that, let us all know. Because <laughs> we'd love, we would love to give you the opportunity to play here. Wouldn't you believe that James Jones and Monty Williams would say, hey, listen, you know what, let's let bygones be bygones and what do you say you go ahead, you come back here and you play for us. Uh, if if this had happened before we heard that quote from Jay, I would have said, yeah, 100%. You know, yeah. And now, when he, when he put that out there, that made it sound like the Suns were like, hey, no hard feelings, but it's better for us to move on, too. Now, even if that's the case, Wolf, desperate times call for desperate measures. You're trying to evolve your bench, too. Sure. You don't have enough players right now to do what you want to do. You just lost a starter. Monty Williams, after the game on Friday, said, quote, he's a starter for us, so that's always a tough blow just to see a guy not be in the lineup. That happens throughout the season. You just have to make your adjustments, unquote. True, but... This isn't about the game tonight. This is this is about what what you're going to be at in March and April and May yeah. and hopefully June. You know, honestly, right now I cannot help it, but this story and thinking of this story and Cam Johnson, of course, with the meniscus and uh, that stinks, and Jay Crowder, of course, and whether or not you're going to bring him back. All I can think of is how this season ended last year, how it ended last year, and the way the culture of the Phoenix Suns melted down last year was Jay Crowder. Is it possible? It's pure speculation. I understand that. Um, I despise speculating, yet at the same time um, we all understand something happened. Was Jay Crowder part of that? Something that may have happened inside. Something Did something get personal inside that locker room? Because honestly, Game Seven's the last we basically saw of Jay Crowder, yeah. right? And the last that we saw of this team. Um, that version of this team. What happened? What happened? 
is we still haven't heard a definitive story about what exactly happened inside that locker room. Was he involved in any way, shape, or form in what happened? Otherwise, why wouldn't you say, hey, Jay? Listen, you know what? We didn't want to bring you in because you're you're a huge personality. Your intensity level's very very high. We didn't want Cam looking over his shoulder, so we just we we thought it'd be best if we worked something out, a trade for you, moved you somewhere else. We didn't want you in here doing that. That I can understand, but now, why wouldn't you bring him in? Well, now? this it, it completely validates what he was saying, right? If they don't bring him in now. If Jay Crowder is saying, hey, it's not me pitching a fit because I'm not getting to start. It's There's more to it than that. If the Suns don't bring back Jay Crowder, who is on their roster, it's not like they'd have to go sign him. They still, He's got a contract. Yeah. I mean, you, you, are, you lost your starter. If they don't bring Jay Crowder back... Like this week, then like, there is more like to it now. Yeah, like, like if they're not on the phone right now, going, Jay, what, what are we doing? Yeah, listen, bud, let's go. What do you say we do this? Right? Um, I, I want to know why. Why would you not? Really? Unless, once again, it goes back Unless to what I'm more talking to it, about, yeah. and it got personal. Whatever it was, it got personal, and maybe it got personal with the wrong guy. I don't know who yeah. that guy would be, but maybe it got personal with somebody inside well, that locker room, and maybe it's a fait accompli. It's something that's already done. We can never bring him back because of it. You you would have to then also look ahead to if you brought him back and he contributed and he was a big part of this, and then Cam Johnson comes back. I mean, like you said, who who was the problem with? Was the did was there even a problem? Did Jay Crowder? Did it get personal with Monty Williams? Did it get personal with Chris Paul? I don't think if it got personal with Devin Booker, I don't think Booker would get personal would be over with it. DA. Did it get personal with Cam Johnson? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't sound like it, but it, it wouldn't make any sense if he's not back on this team in the next week or so. And yet, I don't know that he's going to be back on this team in the next week or so. It might just not make sense. Here's um, here is Chris Haynes from that Golden State game talking about what Jay Crowder said a couple weeks ago. Honestly, this is unfamiliar ground for me. This is my 11th year, and I've always been in camp and started the year off with my team. The business of basketball has taken its course and changed and changes have come. I do not want to get the details just yet, but it's definitely not true of the narrative being pushed about me not starting or not. I can honestly say that. I've had two great years with my teammates and the fans in Phoenix. I do not take that for granted. I'm forever grateful for the moments we share. Man, that makes it even more confusing yeah. right there. <laughs> it gets more confusing by the day. And just when I thought going into this weekend, okay, it's confusing. Maybe we'll never know. But clearly both sides want to move on. Cam Johnson, the one guy that if he got hurt, you'd be like, well, wait a minute. They still have Jay Crowder. Yeah. You know what, though? I, as I say this, though, I, it doesn't strike me. Cam Johnson does not strike me as some wilting lily. No. He does not strike me as being that guy. Oh, no, it's Jay Crowder. He, he's going to take my spot. You know, I, he doesn't strike me as being that guy. No, but... So, but, I don't know if it's Cam Johnson. I, I, I don't think it's Cam Johnson. I don't think it's Cam Johnson either. I think it's either. somebody else. But if you, if you... Just going down the path you brought up before, if it was part of whatever happened in the Dallas series, and in particular Game 6 and Game 7, if it was part of that weirdness that we, we've gotten a bunch of partial explanations for but never one clear cut if it was if it had anything to do with that if you bring him back now 
he's probably here for the season, right? If he's willing to come back, if you go to Jay Crowder and say, hey, look, yeah. Cam's out, we need you. Yeah. The minutes are there. And yeah, he's like, you're not yeah. going to say, wait, we're bringing Cam back in. You're out. Yeah, are you no. going to kick him out in February or something? No. So, so he's going to so be that's here. that's got to be the only reason why they're not calling him if they haven't called him. Correct? Because they know. Yeah. Cam's going to come back. He's going to be back. It's going to take maybe two months, but he's going to be back at some point in time. So, you know, why is it ever the easy? Only reason. Why, why? It's just never easy, is it? Yes. All right, we come back. What would you think of Kyler Murray's performance against the Seahawks yesterday? And are we reading anything into that heated conversation with DeAndre Hopkins on the sideline in the first half? It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.